engagement with each other where we can, all we can do is laugh and be confused at the at the concophony and nonsense of life yeah. and to and to, to to deliberately say like well, there's no words there's yeah. no words there's i'm no using words to, words to tell it. you there's no words yeah. yeah to describe the psychedelic experience there's just no words how, how are we going to cut this though i just realized we just started talking again yeah so you guys are just going to have to follow along <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay well, we'll we'll start but we'll, we'll we'll end i guess by saying okay so like we didn't we didn't intro shashi at all in the podcast either so this is a mess just yeah we dove in yeah but it was is deep so, we dove in and we drowned we were fucked yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is the intro to it because um yeah i mean we just went at it and we literally just started the podcast the moment we, the camera turned on we just got into it and yeah. it was kind of beautiful because it was just he had such a powerful story and i'm happy he was able to share it and express it honestly and openly i was yeah he uh overcame a 20-year heroin addiction and it's maybe it's a common story maybe i just haven't heard one like this but starting heroin from a young age and from more of the lens of just not knowing what he was getting into yeah well, that was yeah i mean most addictions are probably that way but he nailed like i we don't yeah. we shouldn't even yeah he nailed it the way the way kids are just lost and how that that's just a a life thing and like we're just in like flustered and i said a lot that i related to what he was saying but i'm sure a lot of people will maybe not the exact sentiments but there's just this kind of we're all fucked and like like we're all just so um uh, like unaware and then we start gaining awareness and realizing how aware how unaware we are and like uh, being being a human is weird being a young human is like just extra like it's just, <laughs> so there's not i don't know what to put on that you know but he 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 said it perfectly i feel like we 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 shouldn't even try yeah honestly like he really he went he, through it so he understands it uh, fully and he explained it beautifully um all i can say is just hear this guy's story he overcoming the the addiction of heroin with psychedelic use and ayahuasca and just realizations in life all kind of combined turned him into who he is today and he's a pretty cool dude yeah he's an awesome dude <laughs> yeah he's so he's so aware yeah. like you guys are you're gonna love it i mean uh I, I was constantly blown away he's very he's really done work you, the way he talks just so honestly and, and he's so articulate about this complicated inner world and his past he's had to just dig 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 look at yeah. that mirror constantly and it's and it shows man so yeah. So yeah, I guess uh, fucking enjoy. Yeah. What are you still listening? Just press some fast forward buttons. Yeah, like and subscribe. Like and we subscribe. We always yeah. We're gonna cut this different probably. I hope gonna it's gonna make it more sense. Yeah, this is a messy one, but we're always messy. So what the fuck not? Yeah. But yeah, but just like subscribe. Hit a hit uh, the share button. Send these conversations to your friends, your family, your loved ones, and spread the good word because we're spreading it too. Weird some people out with some ayahuasca stories yeah i mean we you got like 73 or 74 episodes to look through so there's some fun stuff everywhere i told i told a guy recently about the podcast that like a uh, and like i'd never met him before we're talking like online yeah. and he's he just starts listening to them from from the beginning so <laughs> he's, he's telling journey. me about dude no it's the weirdest thing yeah look i start i listened to episode three recently i think it was called integration and you know how he said sashi was saying how these moments of life pass and like you don't remember who you were 
like a few yeah. months ago or a year ago. That was deep, yeah. Yeah, but because everyone's like, no, no, I totally remember all my lessons. Like I'm good now, and it's yeah. like he's just like, nah, bro, you fucking forget <laughs> everything. But what's scary about that? Well, not even scary, just interesting about our journey is we actually have snippets of the older versions of us in all these episodes. It's odd. It's fucking odd because I was listening to myself from integration episode, which was like uh, over a year ago. I'm like, oh, that's where you were. And I was just hearing my mental process back then. And dude, it's going to get weird in five years from now. I'll tell you something weird. I'm already thinking of that five years person. I'm looking at us now going like, this could be better. This could, this could be different. And it's like, not again, like, like we talked about, like there's no, there's no need for guilt or anything, but it's just like, I can see where things are going. I know that sounds so basic, but like this is new to me. Mm. It's weird. You see the you see your the, the progression where it can head, the kind of path that can be laid in front of you. And and there's so much choice involved. Yeah. So I'm just like, this is gonna get better. This is gonna get more interesting. I I wanna be like a better speaker. I wanna be a better writer. I wanna be a better I want I want to fucking learn how to edit because you're doing it all the time <laughs> and I feel bad for you, yeah. especially with this one. Um, and I, yeah, like just interviewing and thing. I don't know. I've just been thinking about it lately, and it's like it's just a choice, and the path is is illuminated, mm. and that never happens in my life. Wow. That's cool. So yeah, yeah, it's really something. That's I just want. Cool. I just. I'm glad I got to say that on recording air on, on air. There on we go. Air. Yeah, I have a lot to learn. So <laughs> we love you, yes. guys. Stay curious. Comment. Do all the fun things. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah. And. Uh, Enjoy. Yes. What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sam Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. It's just a big, foresty, colder part of America yeah. with less people. Yeah. That, I think that's what uh, that's what gets me interested. Like, uh, the States is a bit too much for me. So you're in Bangkok. Bangkok, Thailand, bro. Nice. I was there uh, two years ago. Nice. Imagine. Whereabouts? I just passed through Bangkok. It wasn't really my scene, but I went to uh, Chiang Mai, then Pai. Mm, beautiful. I loved Pai. It was incredible. Pie is amazing. Dude, it was next level. I wanted to live there. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. I was there for like um I was there for like two weeks a couple of years ago. Nice. And uh, and I didn't want to leave. Um have you ever been to the islands though? I went to Colanta. Colanta, you know, okay. Yeah. I didn't want cool. to go to the big touristy ones, so kind of chill, yeah. chilled in Krabi and Colanta was pretty much as much as the islands. Krabi's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kopanyang is another one, really nice. Um, very cool community there, a lot of medicine people, and uh, nice parties out there. They, they, they throw the psychedelic trance parties there. Oh, nice! So, you get, a, you get a good crowd, especially when the tourists aren't there. The tourists turn it, turn it into like a, like a booze fest because they just don't know, they have no ideas. You just come in. These young married couples with boyfriends and girl, girlfriends from like Europe or the States, and just 
smash drunk and yeah. make idiots out of themselves on the streets and stuff like that. It's good fun to watch, but uh, it gets irritating. It's funny the first time. <laughs> yeah. Or when they don't engage with you. That's it, yeah. Once they start engaging with you, you're like, okay. <laughs> you stay there and I watch from here. We'll pretend you're on TV. That's you just start saying something in another language, hoping they would like leave you alone kind of thing. Yeah, I think I can get away with that with my skin color. That's, I was going to ask, actually, because you said you were born in Hong Kong. Like, you're, you don't look like yeah. you're from Hong Kong. Yeah, um, ethnically, I'm Indian. My, dad's, my dad moved to Hong Kong when he was 17. My mom's from Singapore. And uh, they got married, and uh, I was born in Hong Kong. So... And then I, I lived there most of uh, my childhood life. I was about 17. I was about 18 when I moved out, to, went to live in Portugal for a couple of years. And then uh, from there, Hong Kong was always the base. So my dad always had his business back in Hong Kong. And uh, I'd always travel back there. So I lived in Portugal for a couple of years. Then um, uh, back to Hong Kong, then I moved to, to the States. I lived in uh, Los Angeles for about a year and then back to Hong Kong again. And then I opened a business in Singapore, then back to Hong Kong again. And then it's been about five years I've been in Bangkok. Now. That's a nice journey. Yeah, man, you've seen a yeah lot it's, of it's been entertaining. I mean, uh, throughout all the, the bullshit, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> in retrospect, right? You get to see a lot of your life, uh, behind you now like the i mean obviously it's part oh, of the yeah. reason why we want to talk to you today like uh you had some yeah. you had some crazy days kind of thing <laughs> i'm still oh, so it's, it's insane i mean um i sit here talking to you guys and uh, it's, it's funny because life takes its uh, its journey and you can you can easily forget your past and, mm. and what you've been through and uh, you know like it's like current moment is uh, is all that's re uh relevant right because you're who you are today. You probably won't be the same tomorrow either. And you can barely remember the person who you were a year ago. Yeah. And then when you look back at the last 20 years, you're like, holy shit, you know, like that's been quite a journey. And, uh, and it's interesting. It's, uh, yeah. it's evolution. Yeah. I, Cause I, I don't know your story fully and I'm actually happy to hear it for the first time here, but I know you went through a, uh, a crazy process and a, you battled an addiction i believe it was with heroin and for that was for 20 well years. i mean 20 years uh i first started uh i first started using substances when i was like 13 or 14. Wow. yeah um it started off with the cannabis and uh just little play things whatever you could get your hand on um we had a there was a drug in Hong Kong in Asia that they call ice. Um, basically, it's methamphetamine. Okay. So I started playing around, dabbling with those things while I was in, uh, I guess you would call high school, mm. like uh, grade eight or something like that. Yeah. I can't even remember now. So I started smoking uh, cannabis and no real idea of what anything was, just, uh, just found belief in them. Uh, in substances and it was fun and, and things like that. So it gradually led on to, to heroin. And um, 
very interesting because uh, it was very, very uh, widely available in Asia back in the day. Um, I know the, the opiate pandemic took over in the States and uh, in North America much later. Um, but back in the early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, it was just massive in, uh, in Hong Kong where I grew up. And, um, and a whole bunch of us from school were just, uh, were just dabbling in, in heroin with no idea of uh, how potent and how strong this substance actually was um, till much, much later into, into the use of it until the addiction actually kicked in. And, and the thing with heroin is that it kind of takes over really, really fast. And when you're young and you have no idea what an addiction is, and uh, how how you can get like you have no knowledge. Uh, you're like, I, don't know, I think I was like 15 or 16 the first time I tried heroin, and you know, you snort a white line or something like that, some powder. You think, okay, this is going to be fun for a couple of hours, and that's about it. But uh, pretty much from the get go, it just takes control of uh, you physically. I mean, mentally, your your brain's kind of like still developing, so you don't really understand much. Um, even when you, the first time I went through withdrawals, I, I just thought I was sick. I, I didn't understand. I, I couldn't. I couldn't make the connection that this was from the substance that I was taking. Because prior to that, I was smoking weed, and that has no real physical dependency, um, apart from the munchies or you know, being able to sleep at night or something. But even then, it wasn't uh, wasn't anything major. It was very interesting to see how. Um, how this substance takes control of your body and learning what addiction is from quite a young age. It was, uh, it was very interesting. And, um, and the, and the impact that it has on, on your, on your life, uh, your social life as a kid, um, your behavior and pretty much every aspect of your life gets taken over by the substance. It's, uh, it's quite crazy. I can only imagine. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience. I have a bit of experience with addiction, but not with heroin specifically. And I'm I'm curious because, like you said, you didn't even make the connection at first with the with the withdrawal yeah, symptoms. Yeah. So, was there anything else that had a kind of addictive a quality to it, or was it once you made that connection that you just wanted to avoid this the withdrawal symptoms? Like, what's the, or was it just fun? Yeah, so was it just like a a recreational well, good time? Yeah, I think um, the thing with the the thing with heroin is that um, it's like uppers and downers, you can kind of say, right? Like uh, cannabis can be considered a kind of a downer, where you're just really relaxed and um, chilled out. Uh, I was never one for stimulants. I didn't really enjoy the the methamphetamine high, like uh, being all hyper and stuff. I was always like somebody who wanted to relax and chill out and listen to music and you know, do a bit of art or drawing or painting, stuff like that. So um, heroin was a major downer. It like puts you into like a dream state almost. Uh, I would compare it to like being in like a really slow underwater world where you're just floating around. Um, everything's really, really comfortable. The physical sensations are, are, are uh, very euphoric. Um, all your muscles and your limbs and your body is just totally relaxed in this uh, in this state. I, I, I read once um, in one of these strange addiction books uh, 
that they compare it to like a 3,000 times um, more, 3,000 times more potent than the second that you orgasm stretched out into like three hours. So imagine orgasming, your whole body's orgasming for like three hours or something right at the peak at the climax. And that's what it feels like. And it, it made sense to me when I read that because it was like in that state, you don't really want to talk to anybody. You don't really want to see anybody. You don't want to, because you're just going through this amazing bliss sensation for a couple of hours that you just don't want to be bothered like life is so entertaining on its own that's that that really piques my interest well uh, that really piques my interest because a lot of uh substance experiences have a kind of peak and valley uh to them and so you're saying that heroin just kind of has this like plateau for a long time like you just kind of go up and stay up and then and it's yeah. like the craziest thing or it's uh, well it's, um, it's pretty much uh it's it's yeah it's pretty much instant like um oh that's i guess in a in a way you can compare it to like a dmp flash you know when you just you 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 inhale your your um, your dmp and you're just gone it's not like a like a, other psychedelics like lsd or mushrooms or um, say ayahuasca san pedro where it kind of builds up slowly um, with heroin is like the, the minute you inject it or you snort it. Um, it's just a matter of seconds or even a couple of minutes before you hit like peak, <laughs> close to peak. And then you just, you're just there for a couple of hours and then you can just start to feel it wear off. And then as it wears off, you want to do more. <laughs> yeah. Um, Similar to cocaine in a way, uh, I've never been one that was, uh, it never really piqued my interest much, but uh, but whenever I did use cocaine, it was also, you're pretty much there after like a couple of minutes and then it lasts and then it fades off uh, fairly fast. That makes sense. So, yeah, um, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time um, in my life. Uh, uh, I have to say that uh, throughout it all, I look back and I'm I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for uh, grateful for actually being able, courageous enough to break down all those barriers and get totally addicted to the substance, and um, and let and learn from it. You know, because I was I was quite lost as a child. I had no idea uh, what was what. I couldn't make sense of anything. Um, school just uh just didn't make sense like I, I couldn't understand why i was there uh, constantly trying to fit in at the same time you're just trying to like maneuver your way around like um try to get interested in, in certain aspects of it but understand at the end of the day when when you go back home or when you're on your own you're like Dude, none of this really makes any sense like why am i doing this why am i here like constantly questioning everything. So once I got in, introduced to substances, uh, at first, obviously cannabis things, there, there was a bit of relief from that, um, from the, that chain of thought where I was, uh, you know, I was, I was able to, to enter into the state of mind where it didn't matter anymore. Like, uh, 
why I was doing certain things or why I was pushed to, to learn in these institutions and learn about things that had no interest to me. It was just, it was all good. I was like, all right, I can flow through this as long as I get to get stoned or high after school or so it definitely, it definitely helped me for many, many years. And I, and I often think to myself that had I not been using heroin or had I not been taking drugs, for a long time, I probably would have killed myself if I was sober because um, the the trauma, the mental trauma that that uh, that society kind of plays on the youth of, uh, you know, constantly having to compete. And, uh, you know, you're really not looked at if you're not good at sport or you're not good at academics or you're not a social person or, you know, so like all these, um, I don't know, I don't know, all, all these little, these elements that uh, that life throws on us in, in a Western culture and Western society, they really, they, they really made me claustrophobic. Mm. And I come, I come from a fairly conservative uh, uh, Indian family, Asian background. Um, so my parents weren't really open to to talking about mental health issues or what was going on with me. They ju- they just obviously knew something's wrong with the kid, and he always needs to get high, right? He always needs to to be out. And I, I was I I suffered from like um, not being able to be alone as well. Like uh, I had a fear of being on my own for too long. But uh, once I, I, I started uh, using substances, that wasn't much of a problem. So I was fine on my own if I was high. But the minute I wasn't high, I needed to be around people. I needed to be doing something, whether it was going out for drinks or something social. Um, I never felt comfortable in my own skin. Always needed like some kind of validity from you know, people that I was good enough to be around, fun enough to... to to, to engage with and um, low self-esteem, I think, uh, like growing up because I wasn't good at school, you know, wasn't really good at anything much that uh, that I picked up. So, you know, I was always questioning myself and you'd always come, I'd always compare myself to other people like, hey, these guys can get, you know, do this or do that or whatever. They seem to be really cool at it or good at it or, and uh, where's my place in life kind of, you know, like, always questioning so when i started getting high i was like dude this is it i roll perfect joints that's it that's my place in life you know (laughs) like uh i i know where to get the best quality heroin in the whole of hong kong that's it i'm that guy right Mm. so and it all makes perfect sense when you when you when you're when you're intoxicated you're like yeah that's the reason i'm alive you know (laughs) and um and you kind of go with it as long as you can this stuck for with you for 20 years um as you were aging through it and realizing what it was becoming did was there a tipping point well there must have been a, like a point where it was just you assessed it or or something may have happened i don't know that it's just like you know what i got to cut this habit and then like how did that come across or how did that happen the thing with heroin addiction is that you can't stay on the drug for too long because it gets expensive. It takes a toll on your health. It takes a toll on your relationships for. So the process with most heroin addicts is that they'll 
be addicted to the drug for say X amount of time, a couple of months, six months, a year, two years, they'll be using constantly every day, every few hours, and then they'll take a break. Right. And they'll try and you try and quit, you go to rehab, you go through withdrawal symptoms, you do what you have to do to stop, but you're back on it soon after. And when you go back to it, it's worse. The relapse is always, it takes you a quarter of the amount of time to get back to where you were or worse. So it was, it was an ongoing cycle. The, um, I think if I recall clearly the first time where I realized when I realized I was addicted to the substance, I was probably using every day for a good seven months, three to four grams of heroin a day, which is quite a lot. Yeah. Um, in terms of the, the only way I can uh, uh, quantify it is probably in, um, in, in monetary ways, which is uh, close to about 200 to 250 US dollars a day of, uh, of heroin, which is what I was using. And um, that continued for about seven, seven or eight months. So if you think about it on a, on a financial scale for a young kid, it's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah like uh, 17, 18 years old. So you, you obviously have to do things that, um, that you're not supposed to be doing yeah. at that age. Uh, I would sell drugs. Obviously it was the easiest way to, to um, fund your habit. Um, so yeah, so it, it kind of carries on like that. And then you quit for a couple of months and then you go back to it and you slip up and then, so the cycle is very damaging at the same time, because every time you stop, you're like, okay, this is it. I'm clean. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm, I'm going to start over again. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to start hanging out with new people. I'm going to, you know, turn my life around and then just takes like a couple of seconds on a bad day and you're back at it, you know? And um, and this and this spiral just keeps going on and on and on and on and on. And um, I, I mean, I went to rehab. I don't know. I, I've lost count how many times I went to rehab. I, I stated the longest stint I had in rehab was uh, I think eighteen or nineteen months. Wow. And um, it was it was uh, it was where I felt safest. You know, I didn't want to leave because I didn't trust myself that if I left here, I, w- I would be able to stay clean. And that's also part of what rehab does to you. You know, it, it makes you feel safe. It makes you feel secure It make, you know, you're, you're surrounded by people with the same issues. So you don't, um, you don't have this feeling of like how society looks down on addicts and stuff like that. Everyone's an addict in rehab. So it's all good. You know, you're comfortable there. It's like you have your own little community and, um, so I stayed my first uh, stint in rehab. I stayed there for like 18 or 19 months, something crazy like that. And it only took me like three months or something after to relapse. So that was, that was really, um, that was really eye-opening to see the power of uh, the power of the drug and how it takes a hold of you. Um, because obviously after 18 or 19 months staying clean, you, you have this, um, you have the sense of confidence, you know, that, you know, I've been clean for so long. I can do this. It doesn't matter if I'm in a rehab or not. You know, I just got to maintain my lifestyle, live 
the same or the similar way that I was living in rehab, but in society. And, um, and yeah, it wouldn't last very long. I mean, I had a lot of cross addictions. So in order to stay off heroin, I would drink alcohol, for example, or uh, um, I'd find a hobby like uh, gambling, you know, like a uh, sports gambling or something like that. Like just, just cross addictions that would help me kill my time um, and stay off the junk. Right. But eventually everything kind of led back down that road. Um, they were all just, uh, they were all just like um, stoppers in a way that just kind of slowed the process down. I knew, I knew at, at points that that's exactly what I was doing. I was, I was going to eventually end up back on the heroin, but I just, I, I wanted to slow the process. I didn't want to get there immediately. So I'd kind of fool myself that, you know what, drinking's not as bad as doing smack or so on and so forth, you know, or like uh, gambling all night till 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. every morning. is that, That's better than getting high on heroin. So, I mean, in, in many instances, it was probably worse. I was probably better off with the bag than I was uh, uh, wasting thousands of dollars every night. But, um, but any. But that's how how um, how scary the, the the addiction was for me because I knew once I was back on that road, it was, you know, everything would fall apart again. Yeah, and, like uh, a yo-yo. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, that sounds like fucking hell. To be honest, for sure. <laughs> Beyond, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm wondering because you at the beginning you were talking about like your childhood and how it kind of led you into these experiences. Obviously, there's there's this addictive aspect that's that's like just governing that that kind of twenty year stint, like you said, and the, and this yo-yo effect. But is there like a kind of common thread? in uh in like your your life or like in the way you saw life at the time is there something that that kind of made this like a or or something like those lesser of evils as well you know like you're always looking for some kind of uh replacement or some kind of escape yeah well um the common thread that i find in um not just myself but other addicts um that i met during my course of life in rehab and uh, uh, places that I went was that there is definitely some trauma inside and where it is, it's so hard to find, yeah. you know, like um, there's, there's, there's some issue that uh, that's eating the person up inside of them. And, um, and it's almost plain to see when you when you're in that. I mean, when you meet somebody and you know they have an issue, you know they have an issue. You know, you can just tell it by the way they look at you. You can tell it by the way they they talk. Um, you you can realize that there's something there um, that's deep rooted in this person, and that's why they behave a certain way, and that's why they do certain things that they do. And um, and for me, I never felt normal. You know. I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like uh, uh, th that was my place. Like this is who I am. You know, I, I didn't. I felt like I didn't have a personality. Like I would sway from things just to kind of fit in with people, or like uh, pick up hobbies just so that I had a group of friends to to hang out with. Like, but I didn't really care about the hobby. It was more about the social interaction, of feeling uh, worthy or wanted yeah. by people. 
so that was that was my my common thread but it it was obviously rooted from something prior to that that happened maybe when i was a child i mean i can't i can't seem to figure it out either um my my recent use of psychedelics has opened the door a little bit to make me understand that this is something that's from way back you know and um it, it happened because of something that happened way back and and it's gone now yeah it's 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 been kind of like erased or cleaned or washed over or something like that uh, but the memory remains the memory of the feeling remains yeah so i, I it's it's kind of like inbuilt in your dna memories there right yeah. so you you're gonna know that i did feel that way once upon a time um so it's it's a common thread uh it's the only common thread that i find with addicts that uh, there's something stuck inside of them that they just don't know how to release and uh, for me psychedelics were that big vacuum that kind of just sucked it out and uh, until today when uh when i sit with medicine i i do ask the question that what was it you know what was it that caused me to feel that way and this is like it's not important you know the medicine just doesn't want to tell me it's just like it's not important yeah. you know like whatever it was it's gone now so why are you why are you bothered and i'm like okay but i'm just curious and they're like it's okay you know it's all right it doesn't it's just something that happened and, you know it was maybe it was something so dumb and stupid that the medicine doesn't want to tell me that it was like you know you dropped your milk when you were a kid and it just scared the fuck out of you and you, you just you know people shouted at you and you got scared and you just didn't feel good enough as a child and you know and you grew up feeling that way that that feeling stuck and i was like it could be as something as small as that that impacts you for the rest of your life and not having the coping mechanisms um to even know that it hit you that way like yeah yeah i mean uh, we live in a society where we throw things on children um infants you know toddlers that they can't comprehend they don't have the 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 mechanisms in their brain they don't have the channels that the bridge ways to connect this and that so we throw things on them i mean that probably are going to damage them at some point yeah and um and maybe that's what happened uh, i mean i'm open to it uh, it's probably something that i'll never have an answer for uh, but i'm i'm okay with that yeah as long as i know that it's gone <laughs> yeah i guess there's a quality there's something even if you're not sure what the instance is like i re- i resonate with a lot of what you're saying i don't like you like a, you were smart to say like maybe it's not exactly the same for every addict but it's some kind of trauma that kind of sets you into this place where you feel out of place. Um, I use the word moop often, actually, as a joke, because in I think it's in Burning Man or something. They they use that word to describe garbage, and it stands moop. for matter out of place. Yeah. So so okay. I never heard that word before. It's I cool. love it so much. It's it just makes sounds cool. Feel, yeah, like when you feel like matter out of place you yeah. it's like you're it's like you're dislocated like in your life like in this spiritual way so there could be something you know we've talked about it a bunch on the podcast already this is, there's some little thing or some big thing in your in your 
in your life when you're young that just kind of clicks you in, in, a, in another, like it, it changes your trajectory. And it could Perfect. be because of the kind of person you are. You're, you know, you, you're trying to figure it out. You're like you said, every kid is lost and just trying to please people or trying to, you know, you might be more or less sensitive and, and then you're getting that kind of feedback from people. Of, and and you, one way or the other, if that continues in any way or you continue it in some way, like you just feel like, you're like what, what do I do? Is this going to be forever? And then the added guilt of of uh, of uh, some kind of addiction, and in this case as well, you're saying there's that yo-yo effect. It's so much harder to escape to get that kind of velocity mm. when it's uh, an opiate, you know. So it's like, fuck, man. Like I, I, re I really, I really, honestly, I don't know if you do, Nate, but like I really feel the same. Like this childhood vibe that you're talking about. I just don't know what I'm oh. doing. I'm not interested in anything. I'm pretending just so that I can have friends and not be ostracized. And then yeah. I'm just kind of, uh, even at the beginning when you said, like you you start having this distance, even between the, like the that person in, in a good way, in yeah. a lot of good ways, right? But you, yeah. it's like this traumatic uh, side of your life uh, or this painful side of your life that kind of made you who you are. In some ways, you don't want to let go of it. You want to kind of use it as fuel. You want to make sure that you're not you don't get trapped by it again. Maybe that's why you ask the medicine as well. Like, what is it that did this? Maybe I just want to look out for it uh, with yourself or with your own kids or something. Like, I yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, obviously, that that's a big. Um, you just you just touched on a, a great point there because I have three kids, right? And um, and I can see parts of my childhood in them and. And as a parent and as a person who's been through hell, as, as, as he called it, uh, you, you don't want them to suffer. You don't want any child to suffer, right? Uh, and go through what, I, what I've been through. I always say, I don't wish this on my worst enemy if I had one, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you, meet, you meet some real dicks, you know, some real <laughs> assholes in life. And, and you're like, dude, nah, nah, I don't wish that on that guy. Like... Like, I hope he falls over on the street and bangs his head, but I don't wish he gets addicted to heroin because that's, you know, that's a nightmare. Like, I have, I have so much compassion for, for people um, struggling with addiction and their families, too, because I saw my parents, uh, my family go through hell with me. Like, um, no matter how busy I am or no matter uh, how occupied I am in my life with uh, my business or my family, if there's someone who approaches me for help or any kind of guidance or, you know, um, consultations over addiction, I'm always there for them. I'll drop everything. I'll be like, you know, I'll call my wife. I'll be like, listen, I'm going to be home late or I'm going to be on this call tonight. I've got to help this family out. She's like, who are they? And I'm like, I really don't know, <laughs> but they need help. You know, like I'm just going to sit and talk to them for a couple of hours. And even if like, one sentence of like a three hour conversation clicks with them. It can make their life easier. And I'm willing to give my time for that. That's um, because it's just one of those things mm -hmm. that, uh, that when you go through it, you just, you, you don't want anybody else to, to, to suffer that kind of pain. So it's, um, so it's really interesting. I mean, there's, uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate. Yes. Um, I think he's he's Canadian he's Canadian as well. As, yeah, I believe so. Um, I didn't know. And he, sorry. Oh no, I didn't know he was Canadian. So. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think he's Canadian. I remember watching some documentary in, in Canada. One of the two. Yeah. So 
I think it was him who who said uh, that all all illnesses, all addictions, all um, all physical negative physical physical aspects of our life stem from trauma in our childhood. And when I was listening to that podcast or documentary, I was like, that makes perfect sense because we can't explain half of the stuff that we go through and that we feel on a daily basis. So it's obviously really deep rooted. All our sentiments come from what we learn as, as children. Mm. And um, that's where all the positives and negatives lie. So if we want to take like a, if we want to look at like um, athletes, for example, that are, you know, that like uh, have, have really made it in their life, they're they're number one in their sport or in their whatever they're doing, and you have a look at their childhood, and you can find the kind of path to their success from like a really young age, you know, whether it's um, I'm really into to soccer, football, and. Uh, if we look at like some of the star, the world stars of today, uh, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, they're the two that really stand out. And you, you kind of go back into their childhood and you see what kind of um, lifestyles they lived, what kind of habits they had. You can kind of trace their success way back. And that's, that's probably for most, uh, most people who've been, um, what do you say, what you call icons in their industry, whether it was uh, Michael Jackson. I mean, he started singing when he was like four or something, you know, like, uh, and, and they just turn into these uh, icons. Obviously, uh, society, culture, media play a big role in turning them into superstars for financial reasons, but you can see their talent, their raw talent coming from a very young age and, and, then after a certain point it's developed and, and kind of curated into this uh, in, in, into this uh, kind of like ball that's put up on a pedestal and you just kind of think okay wow you know we can't achieve that that person's special or something like that but it all it all comes something that and and western western culture and science is kind of trying to uh, i feel implement a lot of these positives into their 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 curriculums in schools to try to make make people like perfect have like the perfect kids have the perfect you know icons for each industry but it's something that's even deeper rooted so you can't really teach something like that i feel it's just it's it's there from childhood or like and then it's just developed and grown upon I don't know, that's a tough one, yeah. Yeah, I always felt that like growing older is really just undoing old programming and bad programming and feedback loops, you know, like that's the process. It's not really adding anything. Letting the it's, kid out, sort of. Yeah, it's yeah. just like untangling all those knots. Maybe know? maybe there's a negative loop to what you're ta- to what he's talking about as well, though. I feel like, uh, like, it, like you know, you bring up Michael Jackson and a lot of people said he had a kind of Peter Pan, like, uh, um, let's say uh like a disorder almost you know like a kind of uh quality to him and he was stuck at us at a certain age and like a lot of us having some kind of trauma like one way or the other again it's how it's interpreted you know someone could give you praise and give you like uh, all this reward for like having a kind of superpower just being good good at something better than the other kids whatever it might be 
and then how it's interpreted, how it's perpetuated, you know? Yeah. And you just go on. It's also to your point that when you have a celebrity in that kind of spotlight, we don't actually know what their mental state is. And that could be that whole career. I'm not saying it happened for Michael Jackson, but it's it's definitely a story for many celebrities where they get to the spotlight, but it was really based out of a trauma and they're being rewarded by the public yeah. f- in the spectacle. But it's really, it was born of a trauma and it's continuations of trauma and there's this lack of fulfillment. And then you'll see celebrities who appear to have it all end up taking their lives or taking crazy substances and going through addiction. And it's just, it's because these layers we need to unpeel. But as a society, we reward that icon like you're talking about. Yeah, you never like. You yeah, yeah they 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 poor guys. They like they have it all. Everyone's looking up to them, and they're stuck. Yeah. they're like, dude, we just want to get rid of this. We just, you know, we want to untangle this stuff. Yeah. It's still like yeah. a kid, like you were saying, that just is going with momentum and doesn't really know what's going on. And even though yeah. they're rich and famous, they're in the state of like, I don't. I guess I just got to do this next thing and this next thing. And then that lack of awareness turns into a lack of fulfillment, like you said. That's yeah. freaky. It's terrible. That makes a lot of sense, though. Well, yeah. But bro, that's that's what um, that's what society is today. I mean, we we walked it walk into Wall Street, for example, and then you have these. Call them douchebags or whatever, like dressed in their really, <laughs> really think, expensive yeah. suits, and 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 in, like when I walk into that atmosphere uh, and that environment, um, I kind of feel a lot of compassion for them because they're just stuck in this world, and you can see that there's stuff that they want to untangle, they want to get out, but they just don't know how because Western culture and society has kind of told them that listen, this is it. You know, this is where you need to be. This you're making your money. You're, you're, you got your house in the hills. You got this. You got a fancy car. You got these amazing clothes. Your kids go to the best schools, and 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 you just kind of like, and you feel so lost mm. for them. You know, you're just like, really you know, isn't every day the same, dude? Like, don't you get it? Like, there's there's no reward in this whatsoever. Yeah. It's um, it's all on the surface. It's all material it's all you know like um society's got us craving for stability um we want to have structure we want to have stability they they kind of force this on you as a kid yeah. you know that you got to get you know we've all heard it all before the best job you got to get this you got to get that and when you get that you've made it yeah so I went on that trip too you know I bought that I bought that ad as well so when I got clean um, for a certain period of my life, I started a business and I started making money. And then I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a family. And this this is the, you know, the picket fence kind of shit. And I was like, yeah, you know, let's do this. And I was like, this is going to keep me good. This is going to keep me clean. This is going to, man, it just added to my frustration, <laughs> you know, because I was like, not only do I have to look after myself now, I got to look after all this stuff that I bought. I got to look after all these people that I've made, you know, like yeah. the, the idea of making people like that's what we are, you know, that's what we end up doing at some point. Well, some of us, not all of us, but you're just like, Dude, shit, I'm screwed. I just added to all my problems because yeah. if I was on my own, maybe I would have been able to sort this out faster or easier or whatever. But now I have all these other responsibilities that are making me even more frustrated about who I am, yeah. you know? 
because now not only do I have to pretend to people on the external, people who I work with or people who I um, socialize with, but I also have to pretend to my wife and I have to pretend to my kids that I'm okay. You know, I got, I got this, right? Yeah. And inside me, when I go to bed at night, I'm frustrated. I'm like, dude, I'm lost. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, like yeah. I'm just kind of going with the flow. And you're always looking at the next guy thinking, okay, if I do what he's doing, I'll get the same result. Right. Yeah. So you're looking in your society or your community and there's this guy with a similar lifestyle and he's doing these things. And you're like, okay, cool. We're going to go play golf tomorrow. Like, golf like i don't like golf and he's like yeah yeah we're going tomorrow morning 8 a.m i'm like cool he's like yes i'll do. see you there <laughs> you, like you just now. do these things to to try to find some kind of balance and stability it just doesn't work because everyone's an individual everyone's on their own path everyone's got their own trauma that they're trying to fight through and if you're trying to get your your medicine let's call it medicine and you're trying to get your, your, your path to untangling your traumas through the next guy or through the ad on TV or through the, you know, you're just, it's just going to get you more lost. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's a trap. Yeah. I, I look yeah. at traumas. Well, I look at everything like psychological as like little seeds and some seeds have grown. Some seeds are just growing. And then there's giant branches with stems that are massive with leaves everywhere. And the real trauma seeds that happen when you're a child, those plants are full grown. They're everywhere. And I always envision it now ever since like a, my psychedelic experience and Vipassana experiences. If you view the tree from above, it's chaos. It's just like bushes everywhere, leaves everywhere, branches everywhere. There's no, there's no start and finish. It's just everywhere. But if you kind of switch your perspective and go to the root, you can see which tree is which and which needs to kind of be plucked out. And that's just um, a little bit of like a imagery, but it's really about going to the depths of those traumas and finding the root cause of those things. And that's the stem. And if you can remove the stem and the roots, it's never going to grow back. The, at least the, the trauma will be there. That spot will always be there in the dirt. But those patterns are gone. And for me personally, it's been through meditative meditation practices and psychedelic therapy has been crucial for figuring that kind of stuff out. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, for me personally, psychedelics just untangled everything in like five minutes. Five minutes. Like literally, it was. It was. Um, I mean. Obviously, I'd, I'd come to a point in my life where I was suicidal. I'd given up. Okay. And um, I was in Thailand. And um, I was going through, I don't know, maybe three, four hundred US dollars of, uh, of heroin a day. I'd been, you know, same old story with the most addicts uh, been kicked out from my house, uh, my wife and kids, my parents didn't want to have nothing to do with me. Um, I was pretty much homeless moving from uh, hotel room to sleeping in the streets to, you know, wherever I could find a, find a bed. And I was like, all right, I give up. I'm done. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't want to have, 
I don't want this life no more because it sucks mm. and I can't keep up. You know, everyone's moving at this amazing pace and people got things going for their lives. And, you know, my wife had the kids to look after and I was like, dude, I can't be this burden on people. So I, I check out and, um, and I attempted, I attempted suicide uh, once um, by overdose, obviously, because that uh, made sense. So I wasn't going to jump off a building or anything. I was just, uh, I was, I was just too scared of stuff like that. But, but so you, I decided, um, yeah. I decided to buy a couple of grams of heroin, shoot, inject it, and check out that way. And uh, and obviously the dosage that uh, I knew the dosage required. And um, when I came to it, I injected. Uh, I think it was something like a gram and a half in one shot, more than enough to to take me out. And when I closed my eyes, all I could see was my son. And he was talking to me in this vision. He's saying, how can you do this to me? Dad, how can you do this to me? How can you just leave me here? And that just, it kind of like opened my eye. I was like, hold on, I can't do this. And an hour later, I tried shooting more heroin. <laughs> Again, I was like, dude, I want to check out. I don't want this. It's too difficult. It's too hard. I can't do this. And again, the same thing happened. And I realized, look, there's something left. And uh, I think it wasn't much after that I was, uh, I didn't have an idea. I knew what psychedelics were, but I didn't really have much of an idea of what they do. Um, I dabbled in LSD and MDMA a couple of times and I did know that there was something very different about them but uh, but I couldn't pinpoint it and then I, st- I watched uh, Graham Hancock band TED talk on uh, on YouTube mm-hmm. and he talks about ayahuasca yeah. and how it has the power to reverse addiction and I was like dude this is it get high to stop getting high this is the it made perfect sense i was like how can you how can you stop doing something by not doing anything right by just going to rehab or just going to you know yeah just trying to hit the brakes. and just yeah it's it doesn't i was like this makes perfect sense you gotta take something you know you gotta there's gotta be like a magic potion out there right that you gotta take and that kind of reverses the effect. And it just made perfect sense to me. I was like, dude, I'm going to do this. And you know what? This this experience sounds insane. Because then I started watching all kind of YouTube videos and you know, trip reports of people and you know their visions and stuff. And I was like, dude, this is mad. I got to do this. <laughs> and, um, and so I started researching where I could find uh, ayahuasca. And I first actually came across Ibogaine. And that, that was actually, it's, it's said to be even better than ayahuasca for heroin addicts because uh, begin um, it resets your, your receptors in your brain, the addiction receptors and, and so on and so forth. So I, I managed to find a facilitator in Thailand and um, I set up an appointment to, to do begin with him and um, that was freaky, you know, that was a freaky ass experience. Uh, um, it lasted like 36 hours or something like that. And 
I was just, I, it was insane. But um, right after the Ibogan experience, I, I checked in, checked myself into a rehab because I, I realized I needed time away mm. um, from everything. You know, I couldn't make sense of anything. I, I think I went a bit crazy after that Ibogan experience because I went, I was pretty much in active addiction. I'd use just a few hours before taking the Ibogan. And all of a sudden, there's all this information downloaded into me, and I couldn't grasp more than half of it. Yeah. And um, and I just knew that I needed to be in a safe place for a while. So I checked myself into rehab for about 20-odd days. And uh, when I got out of rehab, that urge, that craving to use drugs was still there. So I still I went out and I used heroin a few more times. But I was on the search for ayahuasca. And about two weeks later, um, a retreat, I came across a retreat in Bali, Indonesia. And I traveled to, I traveled to Indonesia and uh, met up with this uh, so-called shaman dude who served the medicine, which was really interesting. Um, that's a story for another time. But yeah, so I, it was about five minutes or 10 minutes into the effects of ayahuasca that uh, that I felt these questions um, popping up in my head. And uh, one, of, one of the questions is like, uh, so why are you here? And I'm supposed to answer this question. Like I'm talking to myself here and I'm like, so why, why are you here in my head? This question, I was like, I really got to stop this addiction thing, man. It's just... I'm going to die otherwise if this thing, if this ayahuasca thing doesn't work, I'm, I'm checking out tomorrow. And they're like, oh, that's done already. I'm like, what? You're like, yeah, yeah, we've taken care of that. We spotted that immediately. It's all, it's all done. It's taken care of. What else do you want to sort out with your life? And I was like, uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Does that mean I can go have a pizza and a burger now? Like, what is this? And, and that, that ceremony lasted I don't know, 11 hours or something, the medicine wouldn't leave me because what it started doing was after um, the first hour, it started giving me information about how I was going to turn my life around. It was like a, it was like an instruction manual on all the things that I was doing wrong in my life and that I had been doing wrong since, I don't know, the last 15 years or something and how I was going to change them in the most simplest way possible, you know? And it was just amazing. But it, it, obviously it lasted for hours, but uh, because of the depth and the, the intricacy of the medicine, the detail that it, that, it, um, that it lets you perceive every aspect of who you are and why you should not be doing those things and how it affects you as a person and how it affects the, pe the people who are with you, how it affects your work, how it affects your family, your children. So it's very it was a very detailed uh, map that it kind of drew out for me. And, uh, um, and it was just the most, uh, there's, there's no words for, for the ayahuasca experience or the DMT experience or the psychedelic experience. It's, it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a void in language 
as uh, as Terence McKenna would say, you know, like it's it's a place where you just can't explain anything. And I think that's why Terence was amazing because he managed to find words or make up words yeah. that kind of fit them perfectly. And I think that's what uh, a lot of people enjoy about his uh, his um, his talks. But yeah, there's no words about uh, about the, the psychedelic experience uh, that I had that evening because it really it was just a few hours it was like 20 years that I was battling this thing and it was like 10 minutes before and I could feel it being vacuumed and sucked out because all of a sudden I felt like hey I really don't have to worry about this anymore wow. you know interesting yeah it was strange it was like until today I kind of go back there to to that place in that time and I think was that real or was I just making all of that up in my own head you know but I was like there was something really strong that happened then yeah. And I don't know what it was, what happened, but something was just sucked out of me and it just changed everything. We we always say a bit of column A, a bit of column B, you know, uh, like you, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a group effort. It's yeah. you and the, and the, and the, the brew, you know, or, or I, I'm, yeah. I mean, but it's, you, you're, you seem really introspective, you know, so I'm sure I, I, you understand what I'm saying when I say that, like, all of everything you went through build up to that moment, you know, yeah. like you, you were exactly. Head, yeah. Like, I mean, the, I'm sure the Iboga, the Ibogaine triggered something and then the rehab yeah. processing, you, you said you got like big downloads and then to have this new context and to be on the edge of, of really just saying, I want to, I'm going to end my life if this doesn't work, like, in in a lot of really real ways your ego is like out of the way at that point so you're you're like it's like there's a laser beam like a direct download message. yeah just yeah. direct 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 uh, and I, yeah and that's that's exactly what it was yeah it's like the walls are down it's just you you're you're pretty much at the brink of surrender like the that's real the surrender yeah, yeah. so ayahuasca is yeah, like no, direct it, communication it's you guys are exactly right. That's exactly what happened because um, later on, later after the experience, I came to know of a, a close friend um, that I met in rehab and he had used ayahuasca 30 years ago to stop his addiction. And he was actually one of my mentors, or counselors that stayed with me throughout my life throughout my 20 years of addiction. And I said, how come you never mentioned this to me? I mean, I could have done this when I was like 19 or 20 and I would have, you know, it's like, you weren't ready yet. You know, mm. you wouldn't, it's, it, it comes to you when you're ready, yeah. you know, like uh, the Buddhist saying, like uh, when the student's ready, the teacher arrives yes. kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, um, I mean, obviously it's just something that we hear and but it, the, the truth to that, is um is immense because that's exactly what happened with me and it keeps happening with me like only when i'm ready for certain things in my life does the universe provide it and um it's uh, i'm going to touch on this really briefly i spent uh i spent the last 20 years working in a business um a family business where i wasn't happy with what i was doing but um, I had to do it for financial reasons and, you know, it was part of the family company and the family business. So, and I didn't have a degree. I mean, I, f I finished school when I was like 16 or 17. So this was the only, 
work that I could do. And I managed to learn it fairly fast in the first couple of years and kind of took over the company and, you know, I was running this business and, uh, but I had no passion in it. I had no interest in it. It was a, it's a textile trade business. And it was just, you know, I just go through the motions because I knew how to do it. Um, I wouldn't say I was fairly good at it, but it made, I made money doing it. So I was like, okay, you know what, just keep doing this. And after my experience with psychedelics, there's like, you know, this whole transformation in your life is taking place. And I was just like, dude, I want to work with the medicine somehow, you know, like I want to really get involved with this work because it's amazing and it's so good. It's, it's so good for humanity. And, you know, I didn't go on the whole, like, uh, like I'm going to be vegan and I want to change the world kind of thing, like neo, neo hippie, new age kind of thing. I just, I just wanted to work with medicine. I wanted to, to be closer to it. And, um, but my business demanded all my time and energy and my, you know, mental process and everything. So it kind of consumed me. So whenever I did try, whether it was trying to arrange retreats for, for people or things like that. It just didn't work out. It was just like, I was so consumed with what I was doing and looking after my family and mending all the relationships that I'd ruined during my addiction that, uh, that I couldn't. But um, funny enough, when COVID happened, my business tanked, I had all this free time and I was like, okay, what do I do? So I spent a good month and a half on my couch in my office watching Netflix um i'd never seen game of thrones so i watched like eight seasons of game of thrones in like a month and um and then i was like okay this is boring i gotta do something fun so i started growing shrooms so i was like okay you know what let's let's try something fun so i turned my my little office into like a grow lab (laughs) like you know boxes of like mushrooms everywhere way more than i could consume in this lifetime and uh and then one day i decided to actually take the shrooms i was like okay let's do a little mini ceremony so i was like growing these shrooms for a couple of months i'd never taken them so i decided to actually take them one evening when uh, one day when my wife and kids were out and uh and it was a beautiful experience and as the as the experience was ending i felt um I felt these mushroom entities speak to me and they said, okay, it's time to get up off your couch, stop wasting your time and let's put this together. And uh, I was like, put what together? And they're like, you got this idea of starting a clothing brand um, with psychedelic art, with visionary art, you know, like you're always searching the internet for cool Terrence McKenna t-shirts and, you know, cool psychedelic wear and stuff that kind of suits you, um, that you're interested in. You can't really find anything creative. You have the resources. You, you're, you're in the textile business, so you know all about cloth and fabric and manufacturing. You just have to put everything together. So that's how um, I, started my, I started my brand, Psychedelic Dreams. And it just happened to be the perfect time. And I was like, sometimes I sit here, like it's been about 10 months now that the, we've been operating um, the brand, the business. And I, I some, I'll have days where I'm like, I wish I did this like five years ago. Mm. And I'm like, but I wasn't ready for it, you know? And everything about the brand clicked as well because I was looking for artists who could, who I could collaborate with. And because it was um, COVID, a lot of the music festivals 
around the world uh, were called off. So a lot of the artists who do like the decoration work and they were free and they were sitting around looking for sources of income. So I'm like, hey guys, I got this idea. And they're like, yeah, we're down with it. Let's do it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Cause I've been like, I'm like in all of these guys' artworks for like the last couple of years. And I was like, dude, you know, the, the opportunity to be able to work with them and, and create clothing that not only I like, but other people appreciate too, at like affordable prices and things like that. I was like, dude, this is a dream come true. And, uh, but as things progress in life, you kind of forget the value of them. So it's nice to like sit back and go back and think, oh yeah, you know, this is what I dreamt of for a couple of years. And now it's actually happening yeah. while you're in the process of it. You kind of forget, you're like, dude, I got to get this done. Now you got to finish this. You got to do that tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. But it's nice to sit and reflect sometimes and the whole entire journey and how far it's come. Uh, it looks like everything just kind of fell into place. I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing it was five dried grams in a dark room. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a two and a half grass kind okay, of guy. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, they call it the heroic yeah. dose for a reason, so I don't yeah. blame you. You know, but, but still, I mean, it's it's uh, like you said. You know, you you when when the student's ready, the teacher appears, or whatever the expression is. Like, it's almost like there's this like stream. The universe is always there waiting, and then you can you just step into the stream whenever you whenever you want, and you get what you need, wh whatever wherever you're at. The, yeah. the water's flowing, kind of thing. I feel like I've given up on trying to understand how it works. Good. <laughs> Teach me, bro. <laughs> I, that's I'm the just, move. Yeah. I'm just realizing because it it like you say it, it's like music to my ears because I believe I feel it and I see it happen in my life and so many others. But it's like. It's the egoic mind, maybe trying to break it apart and say, "How does this work? How can I, like, how can I not control?" You want a formula, it? yeah, yeah. But it's really it's you want a formula so you can use that yeah. algorithm with everything that you do, just, and you turn everything into gold, yeah, right? It's just such a human, dumb ape mentality. But it's so funny when you can laugh at yourself about it. But the reality is, is just you allow it to happen, and you just go with the fucking flow, and. Like so many people have done ayahuasca, it's such a common mantra. It's like just trust the process, just trust the process when you're doing ayahuasca. But trust the process applies to life, and it's just whatever's happening as it comes. You just trust that there's going to be a manifestation of something later on, and you just got to get through these lessons to get there. You know? Yeah, the real ceremony is life. Yeah. It's not. It's not ayahuasca. The ayahuasca is like um. It's like training wheels. Like. Yeah, yeah. It's like the beginning crash course, you know, it's like, okay, this is what life really is, what's really going on. And now you're going into the classroom, right? Yeah. And, um, and when you come back into it, I mean, some of the experiences are just mind boggling, you just like lost for a couple of days, and you can lose that information mm. in that period. So the integration part is, um, is really important after uh, a good or strong psychedelic uh, session. It's the most and which is great to see. Yeah. It's really great to see a lot of these um, places and people popping up to help psychedelic integration. Yeah. I think it's really important. Um, I I didn't have much integration, but I think there's enough um, there's enough information available online nowadays, thanks to the internet, thanks to guys like you. Um, okay. uh, you know, spreading the message and. And doing it from like, not just a fun social point of view, but like also educational point of view, like trying to teach people and 
how to do these things and why it's necessary um, for us as a species at this moment in our lives. And um, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, the integration part is amazing. But yeah, you're totally, totally right. Like uh, this ceremony is life. You know, it's it's. Um, we're always going to try to want to break stuff down. I think it's just the, the curious chimp in us, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, we just want to know how does this work? How does that work? And, and, and yeah, trusting the process, letting things flow is the algorithm, I guess. It's um, the mistakes that you make on the way to getting to where you want to get to is the algorithm. You've got to break everything down. And when I see people who are suffering through addiction, and they're ruining relationships and they're losing their loved ones and they've stopped relationships with their friends. A part of me says, yes, this is the way it has to be done. Mm. You have to break down that wall. You have to go, you have to have the courage um, to turn everything into shit to realize. And that's the freaky part about it because I'm not advocating (laughs) addicts go out there and start fighting with their, with their families and like, you know, stop talking to their friends, but it's part of the process that for me has been essential is to value what I had. Right. Is like once, you know, you always say you take things for granted. You don't, you don't realize what you've gotten until it's gone and stuff like that. But the truth to that is that, you know what, you got to break it and then you got to put it together again. And then once you put it together again, you're going to look after it. Like mm. it's the most precious thing in the world. And that's, that's, I think that's happened with a lot of us who've had the psychedelic experiences that life has so much more meaning today than it did prior to that experience, because the value of it is thrown at you in your face, you know, the value of life, the value of, these feelings, these emotions, these sentiments, the the taste of chocolate, the feeling of sex, the, you know, all these things have such more deeper meaning than going out for drinks at a bar and picking up a random women having a one night stand, you know, so not, not to say that there's anything wrong with that, if that's what tickles your pickle for sure, you know, but I think people who've had a psychedelic experience will look at it on a much more deeper perspective they might still have that same experience. They might do, still do the same thing, but have a greater value yeah. and possibly do it with more dignity and integrity. <laughs> or more honest. You know, right? I think like it just, yeah. things just become way more honest. I notice every time I come back from ceremony, I just, every, all these patterns that I operate on when I come back from ceremony, I kind of observe myself and what I'm doing. And it's like, there's like a commentary now. It's kind of funny. It's like, oh, you're doing this again. You feel like naked or exposed or something. And some I'll keep because some patterns are actually like, they're not negative patterns or harmful patterns. But some I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I don't need to keep doing this. You know, (laughs) maybe I could just let this one go. This one's okay. And I just kind of, but it's like a third bird's eye view of yourself in a sense. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I learned to laugh. I learned, I've learned to laugh at myself nonstop. Like I'm, I'm my biggest, yeah. I, I'm the biggest Jim Carrey I know in my life, you know, when I come out of ceremony, cause I can sit there and laugh at all the stupid things that I'm, I'm doing, you know, and it's not something that I did. It's that I'm still doing them till today, you know, like, I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Like I still haven't learned this lesson yet. Have I? Mm. It's like, Nope. Then something big is going to happen. That's going <laughs> to make you realize 
and you got to be ready for it because you're doing this to yourself. You know, you got to stop, but you're still doing it to yourself. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go with the flow here, right? Trust the process, right? But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a hell of a journey. Uh, I think once, um, once you start to work on this path, on this medicine path, uh, life, um, life is your biggest teacher, yes. you know, and, uh, nothing, nothing can deny that anymore. Like, um, we, we have a tendency as humans to try to make things up and believe our own lies, um, just so that we can get through the day. So we can, you know, do all these harmful and negative things, uh, not only to others, but to ourselves. And we want to live in this comfort zone because it's just easy and convenient and um, we can go through the nine to five and, and all of that. But at some point on the medicine path, you start to see that, you know what, there's a brick wall everywhere you turn if you're going to continue these things. And it's, um, it's really interesting to see. It's like I, I, was, I, I, speak, I, I was speaking to a friend recently and um he's uh he's still battling addiction to this day and he keeps asking me he's like dude what is it like like i was like well the only way i can really describe it is the psychedelic experience helped me to build a firewall in my brain right and every time these negative thoughts or these negative um, emotions or feelings would pop up externally it would just rebound against this firewall and I wouldn't let them in. It's like I had a shield all of a sudden that to stop all these, all these different energies from attacking me. And um, obviously it wasn't ayahuasca that did this. It was myself, you know, like the realization of life and everything. But once you build these firewalls around you, you kind of are prone to all these things happening in your life. And then you start flowing you start you start you start going on a path where um where the external things that did affect you no longer affect you so all of a sudden it's like that trajectory that you were talking about earlier it just takes off it just has it has a life of its own it has a mind of its own the universe the energy that surrounds us has um different plans from what we have you know and uh and we have to trust that because it's been around for a lot longer than we have yeah once you see it, it you kind of feel foolish to not i, I mean you i guess you're talking about like removing resistance and those things become conscious and then you start going with the flow as opposed to taking yourself so seriously and looking down at your feet and bumping into those brick walls all the time like you start laughing at yourself you start looking around and you and you you're not going to walk into the wall now that your eyes are open in that sense, I guess. And I, I, can, yeah. I can I can I guess I can relate to that. I, I I that takes courage too. You know, it all takes courage. It's like the more you want to seek, even if it's even if it's at the bottom of a fucking needle or something. You know, like just seeking because you said before, like it's courageous to to, to kind of seek that destruction. I think yeah. I understand what you mean now, and and maybe in a way when we when we you know go into ceremony and seek a kind of destruction as well. It, it takes that kind of courage also. And then to just yeah. be in life and to see that that destruction is happening still and, and see all things as changing 
and and kind of start treating life as a ceremony like it, it maybe it takes less and less courage as we go because we realize it works but maybe i'm kind of bullshitting myself there maybe i'm taking myself seriously again by accident like it's always <laughs> freaky it's always but it's endearing it's like you're looking at yourself as you look at your own kid or something and you'd be like ah yeah. you know like you're gonna fuck up here you, you know? go again yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> here you go again with your nonsense yeah. um it was funny a couple of years ago I've, i'm I'm totally clean now. I haven't touched drugs or alcohol in like five years wow. um, since That's that, funny. since that first ayahuasca ceremony uh, had on my back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, thank you to the medicine, obviously for helping me, but there was this uh, one occasion, I think it was about four years ago where uh, I'm quite a tattoo enthusiast and um I went, I went to have a, I, I went to get some ink uh, done and it was a two day session. And, um, the first day was, uh, was fine. Did the outline of the, the, the tattoo. And the second day when I walked into the tattoo parlor, the, 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 the guy who was tattooing me said, look, this is going to hurt today. Like yesterday was easy because we just did the outside framework, but today is going to work. Do you want, do you want something to numb the pain? And I was like, what, we got a cream or something. So he pulls out a bottle of rum and he's like, this will help. And I was like, Hmm, I haven't drank in like, I think it was about a year or so. And at that point, and I was like, yeah, okay. I guess I could drink some alcohol if it's going to numb the pain. And after the first couple of shots of rum, it's like this animal took over me. And I was just like in back, like where I started all over again. And uh, that was one of the most horrific nights that I had because I had to live with all my past. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was hell. Yeah. Like revisiting all the addictions and the thought processes and everything after like a year or something of being clean. And then, the self-esteem goes down again. You're like, shit, I fucked this up again. I'm back on drugs again very soon because this is the process and blah, 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 blah. And the next day when I woke up, I mean, I had this horrific night. The next day when I woke up, I was still like depressed. I was in tears. I was like, oh man, what have I done to myself? Like I was so stupid. And then I was like, hold on. That's, that had to happen. <laughs> that had to, had to happen because I couldn't go through this life, not revisiting the past again yeah. and experiencing and, and knowing those feelings. So that had to happen to show me that, listen, that's not your life no more, bro. You can, you can, you don't have that. Um, you don't, you don't have that ignorance inside of you anymore to say, Oh, it's no big deal. It's all right. It's all good. You know, we'll go with the flow. No, it's got to stop. You, you had to go through that. And why, why did you pick up that drink? Because, not because you wanted it because I mean, you've been clean a year and a half. You haven't even thought about going out for a drink. The reason that you picked it up because you didn't even want to have it, but you're like, okay, numb the pain tattoo. It wasn't to go out and have fun and, you know, go crazy. It was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's try this. And um, if it's going to make it a bit easier for these next couple of hours, let's do it. And it just showed me that there's no instance in where it's okay to be done, you know, there's there's no um, there's no leeway, say for example, in in your life as an addict or as a as a person who's suffered trauma to go back to old remedies that made it worse. 
I guess like the the guilt attached to the to the to the relapse is its own drug in a way that you're denying as well, which is why you don't have that that kind of problem. Like that yo-yo is is cut forever now, but yeah. but you still, I guess, thought it was okay. There was still some. There was still something. There's still something left to learn in a way. Like I, I don't. It's it's weird to say because you just seem like so. Like you said, you're you're clean and everything. I I feel like I I don't have the right to say it almost. You know. But uh, if you'll forgive me, I just I feel like somewhere somehow like you still there was still something to learn. So then you dipped back into yeah. this bottle, and, and the only way and the only way to learn that lesson at that point was to dive back into it. You know, it, there yeah. was no way that I was going to be able to stay clean and learn that lesson. There was like some residue left over yeah. that listen, you got to go uh, back and revisit this. A yeah. final purge. I. I yeah. hate to make this comparison because it's nothing. You even you even said before, you know, like weed is like blah. But I I have I had been I've been smoking for 17, 18 years, uh, almost every day. I had a month off here and there, you know, like it was just a big part of my life. And for some reason, uh, I haven't smoked since December, so it's just been a bunch of months now. I just I just haven't felt the need. I just I just overdid it and cut it out. And uh, yeah. two days ago, I think I, I, a friend of mine had like a CBD, like an e-cig and I just kind of, yeah. I rationalized it, you know, and the second yeah. I inhaled it, my body was like, we hate this. Wow. Why did you like, we hate this. Why did you do this? And it, it, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a one for one parallel. I mean, it's like a hundred to one in terms of the actual like guilt and the problem, it's the same. Stuff, but it's the, yeah, it's, 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 it's mechanism. Just, yeah. And, and it's, it was. It was interesting because afterwards, I w my brain went like, "Oh no, I remember this. This is nice." You know, like there was like a, there was something there. But I, the first, the instinct, the like something just hit me again, and it rang that bell that stopped ringing for a second for whatever reason. Now that bell's yeah. ringing clear again, and it's just like you don't want this. You don't need this. It doesn't give you what you think it does. It's not your friend anymore. Whatever the the, the rationale is, it's like I needed to physically experience that because the the words or the lesson or whatever started slipping away and and it's and I don't have that guilt at all anymore so so I just kind of went cool and then the next day I have a big jar of weed at my house you know I can roll a J anytime I want and I just have no fucking interest in it and I bet you if I let the guilt in I would be looking for an escape and that would be my that'd be the perfect thing the guilt yeah. breeds more guilt that's the cycle yeah that's what it calls continues to pattern. itself yeah it's, it's like guilt is its fuel and it puts you into that state of abuse, self-abuse, self-sabotage. Mm. And that's what creates that pattern and strengthens that pattern. No more. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, I, I spoke to I spoke to a friend once and he said, regret isn't real. You know, guilt and regret and these emotions, they're not real emotions. That's they're things that we create inside ourselves. Yeah. And it's like um, it's the false truth of what we want to do it's the excuse that we use when there's nothing else left mm -hmm. <laughs> for us to to kind of fuel us into that area you're like okay i'm going to use guilt as the excuse to you know to be able so it's just one of the mechanisms that we create inside ourselves yeah. to try to get deep. to where we want to get to it's almost you know like it's a justification for your current state you know? That's exactly that's exactly it. It's like we're feeling a certain way. We know we can stop it, mm. but we're actually enjoying it yeah. because 
we're enjoying it because we want it to lead us there because that's the thing that we want to do, right? Inside of you, that's what you really want to do. But because we've got so many masks on for so many years, we don't know which one we're wearing at which point in time. Mm. And we let the mask, we're looking in the mirror and we see ourselves with this mask on, we think it's us, you know, <laughs> like, okay, that's me. It's all good. You know, I, I, I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm allowed to think this way. I'm allowed to do this now because this is me in the mirror, you know, and this is me telling myself it's okay. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's a funny game. And, 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 uh, and we enjoy playing it with ourselves. That's that's uh, the sad part at times because, you know, we we as we we want some kind of entertainment. I mean, we watch TV, we watch movies, we 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 envision ourselves being in a movie at times and and living this lifestyle at, at, at certain points. And you're just like, okay, you know what? I'm allowed to do this. And uh, and in all reality, it's it's free will, right? The universe gives us free will, so you're allowed to experience this. You know, it's part of the beauty of being human. It's uh, part of the beauty of being alive that you're allowed to make these mistakes, but there's consequences. So let's make the mistakes and let's learn from them. You know, let's 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 turn this shit around. Let's uh, make it meaningful. You know, and um, I think that's that that was that's the beauty of what's come out of the addiction for me is that. <clears throat> I can look back and I can speak to this, this spirit of heroin, say, for example, and, and fold my hands and say, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to experience all that hell. Yeah. <laughs> In this lifetime. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'm not a Harvard graduate. I'm not ever going to be, or I don't know, but I'm never going to be like one of those standout people in life where, you know, uh, put on a pedestal for whatever reason or not. But the most important thing for me is those lessons that I learned mm. from this drug that tore everything in my life apart and allowed me to go down the path where I found the medicine. Mm. And the medicine came in as another savior or another beautiful spirit that allowed me to learn so much more, <laughs> you know? So it's like this endless cycle of learning. And I was like, I was thinking to myself uh, a couple of years ago, and I was thinking if 15 years ago or 10 years ago, you knew about somebody explained something to you about something like ayahuasca, you would have been like, what? That sounds insane. That's crazy. That can't be real. So I'm like, now that I've done ayahuasca, is there something else out there that's even more crazy than this? You know, like, it's like, it seems impossible. <laughs> I think that way too, though. I, every time something new comes across my, my, my view, I always think, uh, what else? What's next? Like, there, there's some, like a, new, a new logic is given to me, a new way of thinking, and, I, and I, I, I stretch it out to the nth degree. You know, I think what's... Anytime I see someone doing something mindlessly, I go, where am I blind in my life? Like, I always flip it in that sense. I can really, really relate to that. And, and personally, I mean, I love the question more than the answer, but I really just feel like... I, you you rang an, like another kind of bigger bell in me when you said that the lessons never end. 
Mm. And there is this kind of infinite inward. And if you if you do any kind of if the, the medicines, the ceremonies in general, any kind of meditation, or, or for me, it's yoga. For me, it's just like learning to be still, whatever that means, you know, with the thoughts racing, with the blood pumping in the heart and the nervous system and everything's going nuts. And then something, a part of you just sits and watches it. And and then something else is Pretty behind crazy. it. Yeah. yeah. And and again, as you said perfectly before, I mean, it's really beyond words. You can have someone maybe as bright as Terrence McKenna try to give you a feeling of it. But in the end, he's just going to have a fancy way of saying, like, I can't saying it. Tell that's you. all that it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a funny, a funny, fancy way with words made up. And, it, and it's amazing to watch uh, people who have that kind of intellect to yeah. do it. But at the end of the day, there's no words to it oh, for me. Um, when I try to explain it to, to people who've not had the psychedelic experience, uh, even with my wife, sometimes um, she's had her psychedelic experiences, yeah. a couple of them now. But uh at first, when I tried to explain to her, it was like, <laughs> I just looked like a crazy idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's hilarious because I laugh at myself trying to explain it. It's like I use examples like trying to explain color to a blind person. It's just, yeah. it's just you can, how do you describe blue? How do you, you say know? the taste of a fruit? <laughs> like, how do just, you? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just impossible. It's, yeah. it's um, the best way to describe it is to hand them the mushroom or something. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like, think about, think about like, uh, like in, 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 in this state, I was like, okay, um, imagine talking to like a person who's not here, like mentally not here, like he's got some real brain deficiency. That's what I sound like. Like I sound, I sound like that person to this person, but actually in reality, that person has his own reality. You know, he's, he's living through what he's living through. And that's what I live through. Yeah. Uh, with the psychedelic experience. So I'm never going to be able to explain it to somebody who's never had it. I mean, for a schizophrenic person to speak to another schizophrenic person, they probably make perfect sense, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, nothing against schizophrenic yeah. people. I mean, I have compassion for them and um, all that sense. Idea. But like, yeah, it's just about relating to, to one another. And um, obviously after my wife's... Uh, psychedelic experiences she could understand where i was coming from mm. from she's like yeah and you're not as crazy as i thought you were for a while <laughs> like, i thought you were just hiding it in the closet that you were actually really out there yeah. i was like yeah it makes sense doesn't it and she's like yeah yeah it makes perfect sense yeah. <laughs> she gets it yeah most people yeah, do she, she gets it i mean it, it it's it's a thing with psychedelics is that if you stay away from them for long enough you can kind of forget mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's nice to revisit. I think um, that's why I try to go back to ceremony every couple of months uh, just to refresh. And, you know, there's always something new to learn. There's uh, some a new perspective waiting for you um, to try to download in a way. You know, there's always an update available uh, to better your life. I don't think that um, I don't think we'd be here if we, we were able to achieve perfection you know the, i think the the struggle is part of the process it's it's wanting to achieve something that you already have but learning that it's already there so you know you, you don't have to go out there looking this is just lessons to kind of know that it's already here and and decondition amen yeah that's perfectly said yeah. it's just it's like like real perfection is a kind of stagnation you know, there's like, there's, there's nothing to be done, to be learned, to be moved around. Everything is kind of static. 
but uh, in in a way that's maybe not obvious at first, that does exist. That is the way things are. But we are experiencing this fluctuating, crazy, unbalanced, always finding balance, but never holding it. You know, like the 3D yeah. is really crazy, but there's just, there's this kind of self, this inner perfection that we can look at. It's, it's, it's a definition thing. It's like you said earlier, like we're, we're kind of creating these, these things. And it's like guilt and shame at the same time. We're, we're rocking the boat, but the, if we don't rock the boat, the boat's perfectly stable and we're just having this fucking ride, like this weird experience. I always get, I always get really irritated when I'm comfortable. <laughs> That's a good instinct. I get really annoyed when I'm comfortable. I get really frustrated when I'm comfortable. And I think I can only stay there for like a brief moment, whether it's with my work, whether it's with my kids, whether it's with my, you know, anything in my life when it's, when it's going well and it's good, it's boring. I'm like, we gotta, we've got to do something with this. We've got to take this to the next level. We've got to get, get something out of this. So I'm all, I, I find myself constantly searching out discomfort in a way, you know, like uh, let's find something really complicated. That's really ununderstandable and let's try to put it together and, once that's done, let's go on to something bigger than that. Because the more discomfort that you can actually turn around for me is um, part of the challenge. Like it, it's it's the self-test, you know, like put myself in a position where I know I don't like the food, for example. I don't know. I know I don't get along with the people for because of different interests and stick myself in that position and try to, you know, get in there and understand why it is right and try to change my perspective on either the the way that i perceive those people or the way that uh, i can make myself actually enjoy the taste of that food that i dislike like you know you throw enough discomfort at you and a person um and a person actually gets comfortable i mean think about i i, I think about this sometimes i think about like people in prison for example I mean, imagine being like locked up in a in a cell for like I don't know fifteen hours a day on your own, and and I mean it just I, I mean the the mental thought of it is like gets me claustrophobic just thinking about it. But then these guys they go into this this is uncomfortable position. They spend years there, and they actually end up liking it. Some of them, mm. and then you know, and and we've heard cases of people who don't want to leave prison, like they're they're actually happy in there. They, they make a life for themselves out there. So uh, in there. And, um, and I just think about it in that state that like, you know what? I'm constantly putting myself in a prison. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to find comfort in that prison. And once I've kind of achieved that comfort, I can move on to the next prison. Like these little boxes inside of, inside of my mind where I got to stick myself in and like release everything in there. And then I'm like, okay, that's done. Next thing, you know, and move on from there. That's so perfectly set. Like when you were first talking about looking for the next challenge and, and not, not enjoying comfort, I felt like I'm yeah. the opposite. I felt like I love being able to just like be, and you have this energy where you want to do. But now that you put it as like finding those prisons and getting to from one to the other, I'm like, no, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. That is exactly yeah. what I'm doing as well. But it's just, it just may look different on the outside, but there's, there's these places where there's like, I don't know, dark parts of myself or parts that I might still 
claim with like some kind of guilt or shame or something. And I, I want to sit there and be forced to be with them for a long period of time yeah. until until yeah. I integrate them or, or, or let them go or whatever it is. And it's, and it's fucking dope. And yeah. it's, uh, it's painful. And it's, it's very much like we're talking about Vipassana, like meditating, uh, ceremony, uh, psychedelics, uh, the, or the, you could, you could box that into the, the harsher version of it with, uh, with heroin addiction. It, it all has these kind of, or the masks with the other people, like, like everything has this kind of mirror vibe. This is it's, it's, it, it, when, you, when I mean, it'll happen to you when you're in ceremony, when you just realize everything is the same, you know, yeah. it's all the same. Like I, I often tell this to my wife and um, I often say to her that I, I had, I've traded my old problems of heroin addiction for a whole set of new problems. <laughs> and I know if I move on from this, I'm just going to trade it for a whole bunch of other problems. It's all the same. It's all relative. Uh, uh, a heroin addict has the same has problems okay we call them problems but doesn't elon musk have the same thing i mean he's got problems in his life i mean Absolutely. you know the guy can't stop wanting to go to space so everyone's got issues you know it's it's all the same thing and it's not it's like about trying to find the algorithm to kind of make it work you know like uh, like what you were saying earlier like you you want to have like this um this technique that if I do this, then I do that. And then that's going to get me out of here. But it's no, it's about the process of being there. Yeah. Right. And actually taking it all in understanding everything, perceiving everything for what it really is and is going the to the core of it and then moving on to the next thing. That's it. So gracefully for me, it's like moving on yeah, to yeah. gracefully and with humility. And that's when you attain those, those pillars, it just becomes so much fun because you're kind of putting yourself in these challenges and you kind of get caught up, but then you realize you got caught up and you laugh at yourself. And it's just like this playful training slash um, like sabotaging, but in, in the best possible way to help you progress through this journey. You know, it's just like you're laughing at yourself. You're like, okay, let's put yourself into this category now. How are you going to do with that environment where you don't like these people or you don't jive with them? Let's see how you do. Jump in there. And you can kind of laugh at yourself as you interact and grow in that experience. That seems like it is the algorithm. Yeah. It's got this. As a, as a kid. Oh, please. Sorry. No, I was just. As a kid. I, I just wanted to say this and then. As a oh, kid. Um, I loved uh, Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Who did? Yeah, I was just. I could spend like. I could spend like a whole day just playing Super Mario Brothers. And I think it was. Um, my sixth or seventh uh, ayahuasca ceremony where I went to, I went to Ecuador to this place called uh, Vilcabamba. Um, and uh, it's in the San Pedro Valley up in these mountains. It was just an amazing place. And um, we, had, we had an ayahuasca ceremony there one night. And I was still, still trying to figure out why I kept coming back to ayahuasca, why I, I came back to another ceremony after I, you know, I've kind of relieved these addiction issues in my life. My life was going fairly well. And, um, you know, why do I keep coming back to this medicine? Like every couple of months. And it was after the ceremony, I sat with the shaman and she's like, it's a bit like a computer game. You know, you finish one level, you kind of, you know, you pull the flag down, <laughs> but you got to go to the next level. The game's not over, you know, 
it's like uh, they they fool you with this uh, like Western society or modern culture can kind of fool you that the game's over after you get the princess or something. It's like, no, now what do you do with the princess? Yeah. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there's a whole, there's a whole like after um, section that, that, that the, the other half of the story, like uh, Bob Marley used to say, like, you know, half the story has only been told, like the other half is all you, like what you're experiencing inside of you about achieving these levels like uh, level one's done, okay, let's move on to level two. And, and, and I find the medicine is also this game where um, you go back into ceremony and it's like, okay, you're ready for the next level now, you know? And like, sometimes you can get stuck on a certain level for like five or six ceremonies and you're still trying to figure stuff out. And then all of a sudden you get it. You're like, okay, next level. And then you're doing a whole bunch of other things. You're learning, you're perceiving a whole different aspect of things. And you didn't even realize that it was there prior to that. You're just like, dude, I was so ignorant to that before. And that just builds the humility and the integrity, humbleness in your daily life, like in your ceremony. I would say even more, it's like a game of snakes and ladders. <laughs> you get to like these levels and then you just fall back to one and you're like, what the fuck am I back here? Yeah. And it's just, you know, at least in my, in my situation. You said like, both often. So yeah. it's fun. Like he was saying all this and I'm like, Nate said this exact yeah. shit. Like it's, it, I've only gone <laughs> once for, for ayahuasca. I've tried other psychedelics. So like I, I had just like an overwhelming experience, but I don't have this, this relationship yet where it's like, I understand, though, just that, like, you know, like we said in life as well, you kind of gain these tools and then the next level is because you have those tools. Now you have those new tools, shit to yeah. deal with. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I get it, but not, not with uh, ayahuasca yeah, yet. Ayahuasca is different than anything I've ever did because it's, it's like a, con it's a communication in a sort. It feels that way. And it, as you go back, it's like, oh, so this is where we were. Let's see where we are now. And it's, it's like a progression. It really does feel like a school crystal clear yeah. channel yeah and it, it's so many people s describe it that way and I, it's like it's just that it i never had that with anything else like mushrooms or whatever where ayahuasca really feels like it's like an assessment of where i am at that moment and it's just like how do we progress through this and get to the next level i'll put it in air quotes but it feels like levels and it's just it's just incredible to have that kind of ally, ally alongside you as you progress through life you know i feel like I can turn to ayahuasca as a checkpoint to see how I'm doing and see if I'm living true to the truth that I believe, you know, and, and she kind of guides me or slaps me in some senses, you know, but so far she's been pretty nice, but it's really good to have, yep. <laughs> it's really good to have that mentor. I would look at it almost as a mentor to have on your side. Yeah. 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 It's, it's probably the, the greatest teacher um, that I've had in, in this lifetime uh for myself like uh as checkpoints uh to teach me all kinds of things um and i think more importantly is to point out to me what i'm doing wrong you know mm -hmm. i think um with all my masks uh and all my justifications and and everything it's kind of it's kind of easy to lie to myself it's kind of easy to to fool myself uh, at any stage, at any point of where I am in my life, whether it's uh, uh, with my work, with my family, with my social life, it's, it's very easy to justify what I'm doing just because I want to do it. Mm. But what's actually needed, what, what actually is needed to be done can be so easily ignored. 
and uh, I think for for me ayahuasca is just uh, it's uh, no bullshit. You know, yeah. you 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 take everything off. You strip your you strip yourself bare naked, and you're in there. You just have to admit to everything that you're wrong at and everything that you have to learn. And I think for me and for for humanity on a whole, I think it's an amazing medicine to be around because we have so many issues and so many justifications of why things have to be the way they are. And um, yeah. it's great to have that. It's it's great to be able to go into a space where you can kind of be like, yeah, you know what? I'm wrong. I need a change. Mm. Okay. It's all good if nobody else needs to know this because the shame that's attached yeah. to that is can be pretty big too. But just the, just the idea of having um, uh, that confidential meeting with the uh, divine and being able to sort your shit out there rather than go into a room with the, you know, psychotherapist or, you know, family members and admit your bullshit there and not being able to change it. It's so much more difficult. I think yeah. uh, in a, in a way, maybe I was a shortcut. It's, it's almost symbolic or ironic or poetic that in society, we've been avoiding the root causes of a lot of things. And now, in order to heal, we have to go to the root causes, and we can do that by drinking a root ayahuasca. <laughs> it's, it's almost like the poetic. It is poetic, yeah. It's kind of, it's so poetic. And yeah, it offers us, for those seeking, it offers many answers, but the answers are actually within. It's just it allows you to re access. realize and access what you know and what you've truly believed it just opens that door that's because it's so easy to suppress the truth in us, you know, to avoid things and to, to, to block it and to justify the avoidance of those of those things that you need to um, address in your life. Mm -hmm. And then ayahuasca just removes those barriers in the most gentle way. Well, sometimes not gentle, but it's always out of love. And allows you to have that compassion. It comes from a good place. Yes, it, it may appear yeah, as a difficult moment, but it's really out of a good place, like you said. And it allows you to heal so much more effectively, with like an intimate teacher that's in your mind with you, helping you process it. You know, tough love. it's tough love. It's tough love. Like I, I have, I have three kids, and. Um, Sometimes it's just so hard to get through to them. Like you try all different avenues and stuff. And then you think back to the medicine and you think, mm, what would she do if this was me? And she'd be like, okay, tough. It's time for tough love, you know? Yeah. Like uh, it's it's the only way that you value it at the same time, you know? Yes. And uh, for me, it's been, it's been uh, amazing to be able to take that from the medicine experiences and actually adapt it into my daily life with people that I know and, you know, whether it's staff or family, friends, and to be able to project that onto them, like, hey, this is a method that I've discovered and it actually works. Yes. So at times by living through the example, you don't actually have to even, if you have somebody close to you who's uh, involved in medicine work, you necessarily don't have to take it. You can just absorb it off of them. Mm and um and kind of learn and live your life that way so that's that's also another beautiful aspect of uh of the medicine i think that you can just kind of just take this energy and, and and spread it yeah yeah i think um the the everything you guys are talking about it's making me realize that 
there's this fundamental difference. There's this expectation, kind of societal expectation, about wanting to get different things or to or to experience different things. And what you guys are touching on a lot with the, with your conversation, the way you're talking, the things you're saying is about being somebody else, being somebody new, really deciding the kind of man you want to be in your life, and and like that's so much more powerful and so much more honest and so much more difficult and so much more effective and just so much more real you know you're not chasing some well, i mean I, you know not not to make a heroin joke but like you're not chasing some dragon you're not you're not chasing yeah. some ideal and and some kind of flimsy eth- ephemeral uh experience or or state uh that's like external but it's really becoming like a uh, like you become your own ideal mm. and when you can it's genuine yes yes that's the best way to put it yeah, yeah it's genuine like it's it's who you really want to be without any um Bold. with any influence with any in- interference from anything external it's it's from your being it's from your core yeah. of you wanting to be the perfect version of yourself and that alone is a process because you have to discover who that person is because even though it's he's there inside of you you have to uncover him you have to dust him off you have to clean him up and you have to do you have to teach him all over again the process because he that person who lives inside of you has to adjust to your daily life has to be able to adjust to your masks and has to be able to help you to take them off yeah. right um when necessary i do think that there are times in life where you will need certain masks around certain environments and certain energies that are there to kind of pull you down but that that alone is a learning process on how to handle them but uh I think over time we all we all experience these kind of situations in our life where we realize that you know what I got to be better than this I got to be bigger than this I got to be stronger than this and um and the medicine is whether it's uh LSD MDMA ayahuasca San Pedro uh peyote I think they all lead you bufo they all lead you down that same chain of thought that same um avenue that allows you to discover that that's what you really want mm-hmm. at the end of the day you don't want the fancy car and the mansion and the houses and the women and all of that you actually just want to be the best version of yourself and that's the great illusion that you can be the best person that you can be the perfect you if you have this yeah. you know yeah, yeah. It's only when you have this then you can concentrate on that. Yeah. It's like the biggest distraction in the world. It's yeah, and it's it just feeds the machine and it takes away the power of of self, you know, and that's what most of us this conversation I'm sure is going to resonate with so many people is that we all have this desire inside to 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 feel that connection and we can go down these paths of materialism and buy these things but there's no real connection because there's a desire for more each time and more, better, bigger, fancier, whatever. But when you really stop to observe, and many are now as 
to find the true happiness, the true fulfillment. It's just reconnecting with self in the most intimate way. And I feel like there's, or there is a shift in consciousness where more people are starting to look at themselves differently and trying to answer these questions. And it's just happening at a bigger scale, at least from, from what I'm seeing. It's, it's exciting yeah. to see. Yeah, I think the pandemic is, 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 um, is kind of made people um, uncomfortable. Uh, many people who are really comfortable and it's, and like what I touched on earlier is that um, the discomfort is something that we all have to put ourselves through if we want to come through the other side. Mm. And I think this pandemic having people in really uncomfortable positions, life being totally turned upside down has also given them a, a sense of perspective. Like, you know what? I got to be happy on my own. I got to be happy with every situation that I'm in. Yeah. And um, of course, there's only going to be like, there's always going to be people who can take to it and people who don't. But I think that the reason for the wake in consciousness is also part of the pandemic. It's it's influence of the pandemic. Yeah, it was like a tipping point. It kind of, well, it put the brakes on a lot of momentum and the momentum we operated on was kind of unconscious in a sense. So now... Oh, for sure. Yeah, so this... I mean... We walk around in the big cities or towns or wherever you go and you just uh, you can just stop and observe if you want to grab a coffee in a coffee shop and look around. I mean, I love people watching sometimes and I'm like, dude, this is so clueless. Like, yeah. what is going on? I, I <laughs> like, love doing it too. I always wonder what, what people are thinking. Or do they realize there's infinity above them? And I just, I get, I get in my head like that. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah yeah i i i have to admit i enjoy doing that too i'm like oh man yeah. like sometimes i have a look at somebody who i'm like kind of close to there's somebody who i work with or something, and I'm like you have no idea what's waiting on the other side for you do you <laughs> and i like to i like to i like to i like the quote by terence mckenna it's like uh, without going through life without the psychedelic experience it's like going through life without having sex like you just don't know <laughs> the experience that you're missing out on but yeah. at the same time i understand it's not for everybody at the right time yeah maybe but uh, you got to be ready for it i guess i mean what it's it's fun to be amongst those people and to 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 be giving that it's, permission yeah. to the people around you who are not maybe so sure especially yeah. like amongst the people like terence mckenna you know yeah. like, <laughs> and it's just like you said it's just fun to connect with people that that know what we're talking about and have been to those realms, it's it's almost like uh, a breath of fresh air to have these kind of conversations because they never get old. It's just like we all kind of know what we're talking about because we all kind of been there in a sense. And we all need reminders. Yeah, and it's just <laughs> yeah, because we're like you said, we're just constantly building and trying to progress to that that illusion of perfection that we're all trying to attain. But that's the beauty of the journey. So when we, we see others on that path. It's just uh, encouraging. It's encouraging. It's amazing. Yeah. I was I was sitting. I was last night. I was going to bed, and I was like, I've I've heard like dozens and thousands and hundreds of podcasts over the years. This is the first podcast I'm actually on. Yes. So I'm like, um, why am I doing this? What's the reason that I'm waking up early and going to the office and and talking to these guys who I've never met? And like, I'm like. I get to talk about the one thing that I love, <laughs> you know, like I hold so dear to me yeah. and I barely talk about it with anyone, you know, because 
I get involved with my work, I'm involved with my family, you know, my parents and stuff. I can't really normally have these. So when I, I do have a small group of friends that we do go for ceremony together and we do talk about, and I'm like, oh, I actually get to have one of those conversations with guys who I don't know. So this is going to be mad fun. That's, you know, it's, it was encouraging for me to, and it's funny enough that I got, invited to do another podcast right after this so i was like hmm, this is interesting i'm getting to meet new people who have shared different ideas and have similar ideas as mine and it's, it's it's amazing i think it's fantastic what you guys do yeah thank you and it's literally across the world like like yeah. our time zone is almost 12 hours different so it's pretty crazy yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I've been I've been sat here while my staff have come into work, and you know they're all getting ready to start their day. And I'm like, what is he doing here effort, in the office? Man. We really appreciate the effort. I, like we, we yeah, I we get hit, we the, two hours. Yeah, no, we're way over time. I got, we're, we'll let you get. I'm sure you got to get to work or something. But like, uh, <laughs> part of the reason was uh, was because of Drew. Like, we just we like uh, one of our yeah, Banky just uh, connected us, and I assume you met him like. Uh, Maybe maybe that's another story for another time as well there, but uh, I'm yeah. sure you I'm sure the he, medicine brought you guys together. Yeah, yeah. Um, his well, I started this um, this online um, e-commerce brand, uh, psychedelic clothing, and um, his wife actually purchased some clothes, nice. so she chatted with me, and then she sent me a link of what they do, and I was like, "You guys sound awesome," <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, we we wanna we wanna." you know, like get these clothes and stuff. It's like, Hey, let's, let's set up a video call. Like I'd, I'd like to know more about you guys. Mm. So we did a video call and then, uh, that lasted about two hours as well. Just <laughs> chit chatting, like shooting the shit about our lives. Like Drew was telling me about his life. I was telling him about mine and what we do. And it's amazing because, um, before I started psychedelic dreams, um, the clothing brand, I had very little connection to the psychedelic community. Mm. Because my work was my my other business was textile related, so nobody in that trade even knows what psychedelics are. <laughs> I mean, for them, heroin and and LSD is probably the same, you know. And um, and I was like, hey, this is like actually an avenue where I'm connecting with the tribe, you know, mm-hmm. like with my tribe all over the world, yeah. because it is all one tribe, you know. Yes, so spread out but so connected. It's it's very connected, and the medicine makes that all possible. And yeah. I guess I, I guess Christianity can say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and you know, power to them too. It's we all find mm. our way to source in different ways, and if it's true to you, it's you know, if it's honest. If it's if it's honest, and if it's genuine, and it connects, yes. and the purpose of it, and the purpose of it, the intention behind it is pure then power to it you know then the universe puts all its energy and all its uh, force behind to allow that to grow yeah that's beautiful all right guys i think yeah i mean no better place to stop there i guess but uh i'm sure beautiful guys that's very nice yeah likewise dude i mean uh I I I I can't wait to talk to you again. I feel like yeah. we could just dive into more <laughs> shit. And uh, I, me too. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, we we scratched the surface though. Yeah, hard. Yeah. <laughs> we left a mark for sure. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you so much again, man, for for taking the time. I really, uh, we never know what to expect, you know. But like, I mean, yeah. you're you're me like, too, man. Yeah, 
I'm glad that we we popped your podcast cherry, man. And now there's some synchronicity <laughs> going on, and you and you already got another one lined up. Yeah, no blessings, man. Ple- very very much uh, appreciate it. Um, uh, Thank you. Just yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say, man. It was really fun talking to you. I, I, I'll yeah. uh, I look forward to it again, and I, I'm really curious about your your clothing brand as well. I'm sure I'm gonna love something and pick it I'll, up. I'll, I'll send you the link on the message here. Yeah, yeah for uh, our send me your addresses. I'm looking forward to sending you some stuff. Oh, sweet, awesome, and yeah, for our listeners, um, how can they find this clothing? Oh uh, yeah, it's um, www.psychedelicdreams.com. It's S-Y-K-A-D-E-L-I-C-D-R-E-A-M-S.com. Okay, so it's a K instead. Well, we'll put a link as well. We'll put a link as easier. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sci- yeah psychedelicdreams.com. Um, check it out. Got some amazing artists, uh, uh, visionary artists that just do amazing things and... Um, I designed, I helped them design clothes and yeah, it's just a mad fun project uh, that we got going for like-minded people at, at really affordable prices because you know what, it's COVID, we're all kind of broke. <laughs> and so <laughs> we figured, you know what, let's make less money, but let's just put it out there, spread the beauty, spread the art, you know, walk down the street and see some people wearing cool DMT visuals on their t-shirts you're like yeah man you got it i gotta give you props man i know we're wrapping up but like the like for you to uh, sacrifice the money in hands to make sure that people have the the product in hand like that's that's awesome that's really something so i like that's really cool yeah yeah well you know what when 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 you're looking for a change in the world when you're looking for something different and you keep searching and you keep searching you're like hey dude why don't I just be it, you know, like start small, whatever's little difference you can make. And it's been, it's been a fun journey because we've been operating for like eight to 10 months now. We've already racked up like a couple of thousand um, followers and like, you know, there's people buying stuff online every day and I'm just so appreciative of everyone supporting the brand. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're everywhere. And I think that's, that's, <laughs> that, that's really, that's really cool thing about our community, about the, the medicine community is people really do get behind each other when they can feel the, the intention yeah. behind it. It's like, it's very pure. It's very, um, it's very honest and humble. So I really appreciate that. And thanks for asking about it. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for your journey and sharing that journey with us. And it's really enlightening and it's, it's a great reference point for for me to th- to to think back on, and to kind of use as a almost as a teaching. Just your whole life experience can be a, such a value to mine. If I find myself in these kind of darker moments, I have this reference point now, and I think a lot of our listeners will have this kind of same type of feel as well. So thank you for that, and thank you for being you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys also, man. Much, much gratitude for everything you guys do. Awesome. All right. Until next time. Have a good day. Chat soon, boys. Yeah, have a good day. (laughs) We're going to sleep soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in Thailand. I had to throw that in. I'm I'm happy to know you're there because I want to go back at some point. So so we'll keep that contact. You have a home. You have a home and you have a guide. Awesome, brother. Thank you, man. Take care, guys. Take care. Peace. Peace and love, man. Thank you.